I don't really want to work out, I work out. There's got to be those days you push through. And they're, they're probably going to be more numerous than the days you don't. Discipline equals freedom. And the more discipline you have as a human, the more freedom you're going to have. We are we are live. Welcome to podcast number five. Yeah, five. five. Yeah, number five. That's gone so quick. That's isn't mental. It? I can't believe it. Yeah, it's crazy. I just five said to episodes. Chris, we're sitting down again. Another another week gone. It feels like literally yesterday that we were in here with Catherine, doesn't it? I know. Yeah. It's mental. Yeah, it does. And it was literally a week ago. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. What a week you busy. Been, what, a week, what? So what's what's happened this last week? Well, I think we were just chatting about it there. The, the England the ruggers, rugby. The <laughs> I ruggers. love it. I absolutely love it. Unbelievable. Um, what a, what oh, a victory. So good. Oh, you know, we were just saying that what a performance. Unbelievable performance. Um, one of the best I've ever seen England play. It's funny. I was watching it actually in the pub uh, local to me. Um with Do you the want to kids. give him a shout out? Unless uh, it was rubbish. And, no, 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 no. It was awesome. It was awesome. To be fair, engine his arms. Yeah, nice. really good. So it's literally a minute walk from our house. We were banging down the doors. Me, my wife, two kids, my brother-in-law, and his two kids. Oh, one nice. of which is one year old. And um, so she's uh, literally really young. And every time, literally, it was we were getting close to the try line. Everyone in the pub was going mad. Yeah. So it was like loads of noise. Oh, we wow. had the one-year-old in floods of tears just because it was so noisy the two my my daughter and my uh, niece hands over their ears literally like hating it my son was off on the <laughs> juke, on the uh, fruit machine like pressing buttons <laughs> or whatever and then me and my wife looked at each other and we were just like this is going to be a long 80 minutes yeah. <laughs> and then after 50 minutes they all settled down and then we started playing well so it was just like oh this is brilliant and they ended up watching it yeah they were absolutely fine so yeah. we're going we're going back again for the final oh, so going brilliant. back this week so did you yeah. have a beer had a Guinness. Did you? Yeah, had a Guinness. Oh, yeah. At what time 9 a.m.? Was it? That was, uh, it was about 8.45, yeah. That's hardcore. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, to be fair, I, and then um, my brother-in-law, um, I was like, oh, should, should we have one more? And like, this was about half time or whatever. And he was like, oh, I think I'll just have a, have a coffee. So I ended up not, not doing another one. But well, to be fair, I thought to myself, a lager would have felt really strange. But actually, Guinness kind of felt all right. Because uh, everyone else was Is that how you pump. justified it? Yes, I was just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's fine. Everyone else is doing it's it. It's funny because we've got the... We're obviously playing the final mm. um, in the cafe on yeah. Saturday. Um, and it's one of those things... Are we going to have a beer? I mean, beer will be served. So would I have one? Nine? It, it kind of feels like... Not that you it's have weird. to, but it, it feels weird, but it's the Rugby <clears throat> World Cup final, so it feels like... Yeah, yeah but that's the same thing as having one in an airport, isn't it? Like, no matter what time you're flying, oh, like you that. see people having a beer yeah. at any time when they're flying somewhere. Even, even like when I've been on stag do's abroad and Not people are getting on, on it, I much prefer a, you know, a hot chocolate and a croissant. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. although I got, for my stag, we got to the airport at um, 4 o'clock, 4.30, and I got presented with a bottle of red wine to down. Oh um, my god! The first thing I did when I was there, it wasn't oh, a full no. bottle. It was like a like a mini like half. Did you do like, it? Mini, yeah, yeah. But classic. Yeah, it was just absolutely horrendous. So um, yeah, I couldn't quite get away with a hot chocolate and a croissant when I was <laughs> <laughs> with my friends. It tends to be they tend to be a bit um, that's hardcore, yeah, yeah. brutal. <clears throat> but anyway. So final, what are we saying? South Africa. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to be. Uh, a really good game it's going to be interesting because I think it's going to be different because obviously South Africa played very conservatively against Wales they were kind of doing lots of kicks really scrappy they defended really well and one of the things I thought we did so well against New Zealand was our forwards were unbelievable mm. and they were just 
battering them, yeah. um, breaking South breaking Africa, the game. South line. Africa is so powerful. Exactly. Well, they, so, so it's where it's whether we can win that battle again. Um, I just I think if we play as well as we did last yeah. weekend, we, we you know I don't think we can. I have to say win. I'm sorry I'm nervous, to any um, Welsh people listening, but if we were playing Wales and if yeah. they'd have beaten us, yeah. oh god, yeah. Me and my friends Bra- bragging were, rights. Yeah, me and my friends were WhatsApping just saying, I can't work out who I want in the final. Like, I think... Yeah, it'd been a better occasion if it was Wales. But losing to Wales in the yeah. World Cup final would be horrendous. Yeah, yeah you'd, <laughs> you'd never live it down, would we? It would not have been enjoyable, no. Yeah. It's bad enough in the Six Nations. So, didn't you say you've got some New Zealand Kiwi, players? yeah, I'm half Kiwi. Yeah, yeah. Right, so who oh, are right. you supporting? Yeah, yeah. So, Eng- so England, were because England. I was born here and I grew up here, but... Um, my dad was away on holiday, but um, my mum and dad were away, and I rang rang my dad um, like after the game. And I was like, "How do you feel?" And he was sort of, "Well, I feel sad, but at the same time, I want England to do well as well." So he it he was always a win-win feels win-win situation for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But I was still ridiculously nervous and wanted England to win. It's like, yeah, it's one of those where if New Zealand are playing anyone but England, then I'd support them yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. But if if England are playing New Zealand, then I'd support England. I, I still want it was kind of perfect because it was a good game it was a close game New Zealand played reasonably well I didn't think they played badly but England just dominated them and played yeah. better so that's perfect for me that's kind of and my dad's the exact opposite he'll, he'll say because he's lived here now longer than he lived in, in New Zealand he moved here when he was late 20s so he's been in the UK for longer But so he's got obviously a real affinity with England and he, he wants so in that game he would want England to do well but New Zealand to just pit them and obviously we didn't they, they didn't but that's what he would kind of want I think that's what he says he would want yeah it's a weird it's quite a weird thing game to watch when you're half and half hmm. I guess it's where you were bought like I, I associate As myself with England because I was funny, born I, here and um, everyone obviously assumes that I'm Welsh because of my surname but I'm not I, I might have some blood down the line somewhere but I'm actually quarter Italian and when it comes to rugby I obviously I always want England to win but I always want Italy to do well hmm because um, they're usually an underdog so especially in the Six Nations but you know, if they win a game in the Six Nations it's like yes they, yeah. they, got, they got one but it um, doesn't happen that often yeah, well, I guess if they're not playing England you surely support them over and above the other teams because yeah, yeah, you've got no affinity yeah, with the other teams so yeah. it's kind of like exactly there you go. I don't yeah. have any ties to rugby other than the fact that my surname makes the balls. <laughs> that's that's legit. Like I like watching it, but I don't have any 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 relationship to any of it at all, really. What's your go-to sport in terms of like to watch? Oh no, I, I love watching rugby. I love it. I just yeah, I guess it's one of them. Is there any like, sport you don't like watching? No, no, uh, no. I, I just love competition. As we said, it's we spoke about last week, didn't we? Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's not scripted. It's exciting. You don't yeah, know what's going to yeah. happen. Anything could happen. Yeah. And if you watch so West Ham, it could be absolutely anything. Yeah. So, but listen yeah. about that. I'm a big Formula One fan as well, so obviously uh, Hamilton won at the weekend, which is you know. So he's on the brink. Yeah, he's. It's like, as good as done. Is it? It's as good as done. Have yeah. they wrapped up the constructors? Title? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all done as well. So because <clears> he's won <throat> quite a few races not from pole this year, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. The Ferrari is quite. Um, um, yeah. well, I've had pole and yeah. he's done it in the yeah. race. Mm. Yeah, they've uh, Ferrari have copped up a lot to be honest, like mm. tactically. But um, and Vettel hasn't been as probably as good yeah. as he should have been. But um, who's that? Who's that? Leclerc? Yeah, is, that, is he the other? Yeah, he's amazing. He's, like, he, he's the he... he's the future. Right. Him and Max Verstappen are the future. Verstappen. Of and Verstappen is he's a Red Bull driver. Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> so they're the future. Yeah. 
from from Holland, and we've got um, a percentage of our audience mm. listens from Holland 1%. apparently. So it yeah. might be Max. It Stafford. might be Max. <laughs> Shout out Max. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, but yeah, what else? Anything else going on? Mm, no, not for Pretty me. Standard. Standard. Yeah. We had an amazing social on Friday night. Yeah. We did our first My Zone Burn It to Earn It night where basically the session is a little bit based on heart rate we do like a little zone match for those of you who don't have a my zone belt basically it's a live feed of your heart rate um and it comes up on the big screen and you just match your heart rate to the colors that come up on the screen and we had like 30 people in there just doing some amazing sessions the music was banging everyone was in great spirits and then we went in and had a bit of a social afterwards had some pizza had some donuts and just i don't know i had a good time really and it was it was amazing watching what we spoke about in week one like the fitness community kind of coming together you know I like to think it was because it was a session that I put on and I put but really realistically it was free pizza and free donuts which I think <laughs> is why everybody came <laughs> but yeah. yeah but it was amazing so yeah that's what I've been my highlight little, of the week yeah yeah, yeah it's been amazing was, it, was there monsters and martinis yeah we had a Hall- Halloween party on Saturday night which was which was messy but um, it was good it was really good fun and everyone did uh, some great, there was some great yeah costumes. shout out to Kerry who won the best dressed what was it? Hatter, so what was the costume yeah. best dress uh, Mad Hatter okay yeah it was, it was very impressive we'll get a picture of that actually yeah nice um, yeah. yeah so today's podcast obviously we've ranted there for how long nine minutes nine, oh, wow. we've ranted <laughs> for nine minutes so um, we like a little rant yeah, yeah, yeah. so we're going to be talking about <clears throat> injury um, in, in fitness and in sport um, obviously this is Chris's area of expertise so um one of many areas one of, of many yeah um, <laughs> as many of you people have been saying yeah. so you you physio for how long remind me it's uh 2005 i qualified 2005 where'd you yeah. go to uni keel university yeah nice. so it was good i loved it to be fair it was the only so i at the time when i went it was really hard to get into and you had to um it was quite yeah anyway it was hard, difficult to get into and I only got one offer so I applied oh, for wow. six unis got one offer from Keel or two offers it was brutal actually got an offer from Leeds and then they sent the letter saying actually we uh, yeah we we, <laughs> no, we, we made a mistake oh, no. like, right cheers <laughs> thanks, thanks very much um, but, did you uh, send them a photo or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should, should, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah and uh, and then yeah Keel uh, but ended up going there and didn't know much about it but I loved it it was campus uni um, I've still got how many years is that a three year course yeah three yeah. years yeah uh, you have to do a thousand clinical hours of practice before you leave yeah. uni you have to do that during the three years yeah so you do placements so yeah. you're kind of third year you're basically working as a physio pretty much in the NHS yeah in the yeah. NHS yeah and then you most people leave the uh, leave uni and go into the NHS for a period of time and do like a rotation so that's where you do kind of different disciplines of physio and then you specialise in one area after that did you always want to get into sport yeah kind of fitness yeah yeah kind of right from the start I wanted to be in more what we call in physio world it would be outpatients which is just all musculoskeletal which just means people have an injury they come and see you whatever but there's obviously all different types of physio that you can do in terms of you can do neurological physio with stroke patients or you can do respiratory which is lung disorders so people yeah i've always been interested by that one like how so you basically you would train people how to breathe so it's basically so it's working on intensive so i did respiratory placement so yeah at lister hospital so you work on intensive care so you go on intensive care for usually for the for the morning first section of the morning and it's basically because if you're in a um coma or you're in a state where you're not um using your lungs properly 
you'll often get um, secretions that build up on the lungs and that can cause redu reduction in oxygen oxygenation and then can cause basically organ failure so, oh, and, and death so basically it's you do you learn to do like suction so you learn to put a tube down someone's throat into their lungs to then suck up um sputum basically no which way. sounds absolutely rank but yeah it's it's to do with that or then um would you still feel comfortable doing it now no way. i don't mean like now no, <laughs> way. No, no, no 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 i wouldn't i just that was years ago now I oh, wow. yeah but or you'd you learn how to position patients so you might position them on their side or in certain positions that then it maximizes their perfusion of their lungs so their oxygenation is improved mm. or then or then so after you do that you go on to like surgical wards so people have had abdominal surgery they're not they're not breathing as well as they should mm. so it's just going through breathing exercises certain things that you can do to open up their lungs get them moving get them walking and stuff to open up their airways because mm, okay. one of the biggest things that kills people in hospitals is secondary infections so yeah, chest yeah. infections and those sorts yeah. of things MRSA all those sorts yeah. of things so it's getting people out of hospital as quickly as possible so the respiratory is those sorts of things basically oh, right. so you're working on that sort of stuff um, and then there's other so you know work orthopedics so that's like op operations of hip operations knee operations that sort of stuff fractured bones all those mm. sorts of things so there's all different areas that you work on did you find it interesting or was it just because you had to do it <laughs> yes yeah, some, some yeah. of it I didn't enjoy respiratory at right. all to be honest with you um, um, what but, shoving yeah um, I can't yeah. think why <laughs> I literally no um, yeah so I didn't enjoy that but apart from that yeah no it's, it's all interesting and so, and you know, there's different levels of interest in different areas. But yeah, no, it's, it's different. Different bits are good. But I, you know, pretty quickly knew that I wanted to be more into that musculoskeletal side of things. Basically. So then, from from there, where where was your sort of first job? So then, so well, so Lister was the first one, which was the so I did two and a half years of rotations there, and then I moved down to London and just was doing private stuff from there. So I was just in gyms and different well, private clinics in Kensington. Uh, yeah, so it's Kensington Physio. There's a couple of, and then a gym in um, Fulham, and then. What well, you went in as space. like Chris Lendrum Physio? That's so how you went the, in. So the Kensington Physio was under their was a private practice basically. So it was just a private practice, um, and then the Fulham was a used to be a Cannons gym, and it was just self-employed, just doing physio and oh, all cool. stuff. And then, um, and then yeah, and then third space. So that was yeah. a mix of the PT and the physio. So. So when yeah. did you when did you do the PT side of things? PT was two thousand and seven, two thousand eight. So it was just alongside the. Yeah. I just did it alongside the physio. with the view to be a, be able to do yeah, what so you do it, now. What I what I actually did was I did the two and a half years rotation of at Lister, and then I left there to, um, and then I did the intensive. So I did it full time intensively for I think it's like three months or whatever it was. Um, so it was like the level two, level three, and then sports massagey stuff as well. Um, because believe it or not, I think a lot of people assume physio is a lot of massage stuff. You do. I did one afternoon of massage in the entire three years of physio yeah. uh, training. So you no, do. I did more than that doing my yeah. <laughs> sports yeah. science personal training degree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. People do think that, and I probably felt that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you learn a lot of ha manual hands-on techniques, but that's not necessarily massage. So you learn about kind of joint mobilizations, manipulations, like there's loads of different things you learn tech uh, treatment wise but in terms of pure massage as people would would know massage mm. you do very very little um 
So, but you're a bit still training. a big proponent of massage. Yeah, training. yeah. I mean, I did obviously I did that after, and then you do, you know, there's lots of manual therapy courses that you do after qualifying, because mm. it's just like anything. You 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 qualify, quote unquote, qualify, and then you really start learning. That's when you've really, you know, your yeah, junior yeah. rotations is when you actually learn a lot massively, and then you go into obviously a more specialized. So you go into one area, and then you still, you know, I still learn now. I'm still learning to this day. And probably will be for as long as I'm a physio because things change and science changes and research changes and yeah. what you think mm. you know changes and yeah, and course. so it's you know I think and this is one of the things about injuries I guess is that you, you know we have our our understanding of injuries and our understanding of certain things you can do to minimise injuries and things but that can change and will There's change. There's still a lot I'm of sure. theory, isn't yeah, there? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the research is not not there yet. So. Um, just like the medical field as well you know a lot of the things is is done on best guesses and hypothesizing and hoping and you know and and there is an element of um anecdotal as well so yeah. things work for people and and so you you repeat those things but i think you have to be careful with anecdotal things that you're not um you know doing things because just because it works because actually then you're not really understanding the, the whys of why it works mm. um because then you can't really translate that into into yeah, other people yeah. equally and people have talked about this on other podcasts i've listened to and i think it's a really good point is that experience is part of evidence uh, evidence like there's this whole evidence-based practice uh, thing in both training as well mm. like oh is that evidence-based is it evidence-based that what you're doing but there's evidence base is not just science no. and not just scientific research it's also expert opinion it's also yeah, it's, yeah. it's a mixture of all these things um so i think we can't under you know you can underestimate sometimes how much you need science but then you can uh, i think we're all that. too quick to say oh is there a study backing that up yeah. aren't we so yeah well especially nowadays when there's when your ability to access those things is so much exactly. more isn't it like the internet yeah. is full of it you can easily access an abstract of a study that yeah, yeah. supports whatever you want it to support and yeah you know oh, and i think it's important to look at those things but and there's there's also this thing of n equals one which is the thought process that um everyone's an individual so you you're never going to get a study that really truly appreciates the individual because you can't do yeah. that so mm. if you have a, a you know a group of 100 people with you know osteoarthritis mm. of the knee for example and you're looking at a study that looks at a certain intervention so whether that be strength and conditioning or injection therapy or whatever it is on the knee those hundred people are all going to be slightly different in terms of yes they might all have osteoarthritis and there's certain inclusion and exclusion criteria but they're still going to have individual experiences of that disease they're still going to have individual health lifestyles what they yeah. eat what they sleep there's, blah, so blah, blah. Many there's all these variables. things yeah. that actually can you ever really truly say that a study can look at the individual that, no. as a as a as a one person no. cohort i don't i think it's hard to say that i think again it doesn't mean that i don't agree with research because obviously i do but i think you have to be very careful about just saying is there a study on that yes mm. there is so i'll do it or no there isn't so i won't Quite do it yeah. it's yeah. like you have to look at lots of different things i think with injury um so yeah i can't remember where that came from but out, out of interest what would you say the most common injury is what's the thing that What's the thing that come, yeah. people come through and you're like, I'm oh, not another one of these bloody <laughs> knees again? Or no, I mean, you see, I, I guess knee is it knee? This, I mean, the classic really is lower back. Is probably the right, most yeah, common say. thing that I would see. Lower back, knee pain, shoulder pain. I think low, probably lower back and shoulder pain is what I've seen the majority of. 
um, or sort of shoulder neck shoulder and neck pain but I think that's because of the uh, where I've worked like in gyms you see a yeah. lot of shoulder pain you see a lot because so people are in do. a gym they're doing weights and so they notice that okay so I guess um, you, you, you can't go and um, diagnose everyone over, over a podcast and no. give general advice well you can I guess you could give some general yeah. advice so with a knee injury, what's the, what's the typical symptoms? So, and, so with I think this goes goes without the same with any injury, knee, shoulder, lower back. But in the knee, I think most most people or a lot of people, especially gym people as well, don't warm up well. Um, particularly, why are you she, looking at me like that? Yeah, I've chatted to Aidan numerous times about his knees, about his squatting, but um, yeah. and he was like, "Oh yeah, I did those stretches and it felt better when I did squats." <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, because you should yeah. do that every time." <laughs> it's funny actually because we were saying um, it was only yesterday actually um, we were saying, "Oh, can we just pop, pop into Chris's room um, to to do some stuff?" And um, I was like, "Oh, I'm not sure if he's in there." And I literally turned around and we've got like little CCTV. Um, for downstairs like, yeah, yeah for downstairs and I could see a guy doing a stretch that I only ever see Chris do yeah. before he warms up or uh, while he's warming up for a thing and I was like he's not in his room but it's fine we can go in because the door's <laughs> shut and I was like I know exactly who that is because he's the only person that does that so pretty. that stretch you've got to do a video of it and yeah. we'll, we'll put it on yeah yeah tag it to this podcast yeah. it's the hand on hand on yeah. through yeah. the bench yeah 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 so I think warming up correctly like and the thing is, it's making your warm up appropriate for what you're doing. So, so many people will come in and they'll do like a, um, you know, they might be doing a lower body workout, for example, and they'll just go on the rower or they'll go on the treadmill, they'll do a bit on the bike, five minutes, just yeah. get a little bit warm, or they'll do nothing. They'll just go straight into whatever it is they're doing squats, yeah. and they might they Baffles might do me. they might do a few kind of slightly lighter squats, but then they're pretty much straight into it. So it's just things like. Do a dynamic warm up that opens up your hips, for example, in the lower body. If you if you've got say you've got some knee discomfort and you get that when you're doing a run or you get that when you're doing some squats or whatever, um, do some warm up stuff that dynamically stretches your hips, stretches your ankles out, so that when you're in that squat position, you're in an optimal place that actually you're going to get the minimum amount of pain and it's going to optimize performance. So it's going to make you able to lift heavier, which means that you're going to get more out of the muscles, which means you're going to get better gains, whether that's strength or composition or whatever it is you're trying to do so i think it's just making that those warm-ups appropriate for what you're doing and then also activation drills are good as yeah. well so warming up the glutes you know getting some Trump some activate yeah done. exactly some activating muscles that you're then going to use um in a way when you're doing the squats etc that are going to mean that you don't get as many niggles pains etc um so that would be one thing i would say um i think the other thing is looking at volume of training so one of the things that um i think is important is how much you're training and how much you're training that body part so i you know doing doing loaded squatting stuff for your knees every day of the week and having no rest in between for most people is probably not going to be great you know you, even even the high volume squat stuff they do with like the bulgarian weightlifters and things they're doing high volume but they're doing low amount of reps or often yeah. so they're not doing like 10 reps they're not yeah exactly like ones twos and threes yeah they're doing they're doing heavy strength stuff but they're plenty of rest in between they're working a lot on technique on skill etc mm. etc et so they're not absolutely battering their their knees over and over again and then expecting to recover and then do it the next day um so i think you know sensible programming would be yeah. the other thing that i would say is a is a good thing to think about if you've got pain in the knees or pain in other areas so 
yeah, good warm-up, sensible programming. Um, and then obviously it's looking at uh, in where execution. the physio side of things comes oh. in is looking more um, imbalances and things. So are there specific exercises that you should be working on alongside what you're doing to make your body set up in a way that doesn't give you pain? So it might be, for example, a good example with the knees is that someone's over-dominant in their quads oh, and yeah. under-dominant in their hamstrings and glutes. So yeah. they do loads of stuff that Is that a typical their, thing? That's it, classic, yeah. yeah. So, and where do you think that comes from? a lot of sitting down so we we spend a lot of time sat um, and then I think the exercises that people do will often focus more on quads they don't do as much of the hip thrusty type stuff mm. the glute you know the glute work as it were or the direct glute work than they would the quad you know the quads mm. work and you're going to get obviously with things like squats and split squats and things you're going to get glute activation and hamstring activation because you you know a lot of legs exercise fortunately are kind of a mix of mm. everything they're not mm. just one muscle group it's not I wouldn't say they're as isolated as you'll get with the upper body stuff that you'll do but I think that you, you do want to focus on or you want to make sure that you're balanced your program's balanced just like you do or just like you should do an equal push to pull yeah. ratio you should be doing equal glutes to hams to quads ratio in terms of the Again, exercises it all, it all comes back to common sense really isn't it and yeah <clears throat> but it's just knowing it's knowing what to do as well I think a lot of people don't necessarily know what exercises no, they to do haven't got that things. repertoire of like oh i see the leg press i see a leg extension like i see squats step ups lunges oh it's kind of that's it so i'll just do yeah. them because that's leg training but actually yeah that is you know potentially really quad dominant and you're going to build up them imbalances aren't you yeah exactly and that's where it, you know coming in for people are members of the gym coming in for the six week reviews and for the reviews with the guys in the team is so so helpful because actually then they can look at their program make sure that it is balanced in a way that they're you know working on multiple multiple things not not kind of doing stuff that's and that's what i think is great here is that the fact that people can come in and get program reviews and can come in and get reviews which you know a lot and good good ones as well because all the coaches are awesome so it's not like you're going to get a program that's inappropriate Mm -hmm. so yeah so i think that's the other thing that, that i would say people should work on um, what about execution? Yeah, for me, massive. I think that's Form like I think that's massive because yeah. the amount of people that you see that go beyond their like what's called like active range, isn't it? So like, say a muscle can support a joint up to a certain point, but if you go beyond that, that muscle switches off, and all of the pressure ends up in the joint. And how many times do you have bad backs, bad knees from people mm. trying to oh I should squat ass to grass as we were, but actually they've got zero right to go yeah, anywhere yeah. near that, and no wonder their knees crack and pop and bang because the muscles switch off because they're going too far and yeah. there's nothing wrong with training within your range of motion because that's going to be safe and long term you're not going to get hurt, body, body dependent as well isn't it we were discussing me yeah. <laughs> and and how i can deadlift a, a lot better than i can squat mm-hmm. you know and my mechanics i've got long femurs i've got Absolutely. a tiny little torso yeah um, there's a there's a really good post actually so i up there's a great post about squatting depth from um, I think it's Brett Contreras, um, or certainly he's shared it, but it's basically to do with um, femur, um, yeah. so the actual um, structural stuff going on, um, and that some people shouldn't squat past parallel because oh, yeah. their, their mm. femurs are such that they're actually in a position that it's not going to be good for them to go past parallel, whereas other people are in a position where going past parallel is fine. So, um, And on the post it sort of talks about what you can look for and things that you could look out for in yourself to see whether so i'll i'll, I'll get that i'll link it up because mm. it's quite a common or it's quite a um 
you know, I've seen it shared loads Again, of places. Like, so like, it's so easy different. to compare to others, though. So you see someone squatting online, and you, that's your you expectation that's you of yourself. Do. Yeah, and it isn't. Like yeah. again, like I think of like Jack who's shorter than all of us. He's got tiny little femurs and he's literally bolt up. I you can say tiny little legs. No, <laughs> no, but he's got tiny little femurs, which is like the top part of your leg. So yeah. he stays bolt upright and he can squat extortionate amount. And then there are us with longer femurs who end up leaning forward more, mm -hmm. you know, we stress different muscles and it's just a different thing. And I think that's what I certain myself and Jack and obviously Chris be a big part of you as well. But it's, I, I personally feel everyone should squat However, they need to squat for them. So yeah. everybody's squat is going to look completely different. Yeah. And that's what I know me and Jack have spent the last years hammering home that we will find the right squat for you that's mm -hmm. pain-free, that's going to generate results. And you might have to elevate your heels or you might not go as low as the next person next to you and it's finding yeah. the right thing for the right person. And there's really simple like tests and things that you can do prior to stuff to say, that's your active range, that's where you should squat to, that's going to leave you injury free, but get you results. Yeah. yeah. And don't look at the person next to you, because yeah, they're going to look completely different. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's almost touching on what we did last week with Catherine about yeah. comparing to others, yeah, and totally. um, you know, we're all in it, you know, we're on our own journeys, so. Yeah, yeah and uh, I, think, yeah. I think that's the, you know, the thing is that people will, will see other people in classes and things maybe go low, <clears throat> and so they'll yeah. just try and get low they'll just try and get to that depth and the, and then the squat doesn't look as good and it's just like actually yeah I totally agree like it's better to have a, a squat that looks really good um, or that and it is a, is in a good position than getting to that depth yeah. and just chasing that depth yeah. basically because what I would say is work on perfecting the form in the range you've got and then work on the other things that you need to work on to improve, improve that depth and yeah. then improve it as you feel you can like I've got a client at the moment who I use heel, I use plates mm -hmm. under his heels yeah. and he squats brilliantly like that and then what I'll also do then is do it without that without it under the heels as like a set at the end of his yep. uh, work just to try and then see if we can groove that improve pattern it, yeah. um, and then in between that we're working on stretches and mobility stuff for his ankles for his hips etc and it takes time as well like I think yeah. people that's, I think, that's the big one people want it all yesterday yeah and, th and this is I think this is one of the big things with injury as well is like people get injured and unfortunately they want to be better instantly and it injuries take time to heal and they th and the things things do take time where you can't just just go back into stuff you have to just kind of you have to take some time away and I think it's difficult it's isn't it? and, yeah. and there's ways to train around it mm. um, and I think I try to promote with the stuff I do here and I'll, I'll always have training around an injury um, and listening to your body and, and just not doing things that really aggravate so I think if there's people out there that have got injuries for example at the moment there's, there's things you can do to train yeah. around it and you can train around it if you've got a lower body injury you can train your upper body you can train the other leg you can train yeah. exercises on that leg that don't hurt for hurt example that bit, yeah. that bit exactly and then just make sure you're also doing things whether it's rehab whether it's seeing someone about you know getting some advice on what to do that's then going to make that mm. that issue better um and it's it's sticking to that plan as well well, that happened that happened literally a couple of weeks ago um emma emailed me and just said hi nick bad news i've fractured my foot playing football so you're not gonna see me for a few weeks i was like don't be crazy literally come in the gym there's loads that we can do so maybe the classes might be out of it for a little bit because a lot of those are running around jumping and doing cool stuff but yeah. i said 
we've got the gym next door there's loads that we can do so you know we got her in I showed her some things that she could do around the foot you know use this one leg on the rower one leg on the bike things like one leg on the skier loads of things like that for a warm-up we then spent some time doing some free weight stuff for upper body and making sure that we weren't loading through her boots and all that sort of stuff and she was like, oh my God, I can't believe how much better I feel. And actually, there's loads that I can do. I'm really surprised. Obviously, and I broke my yeah. um, fifth metatarsal back in the summer. And obviously, I managed to come in and train upper mm. body. And, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't going crazy, but it was more for, again, going back yeah. to mental health. It was more for my yeah. mental health and sanity. Totally. That I just wanted to keep on top of things a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to, to get down about it when you're injured. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, you've got to try and keep keep chipping away yeah. and maintain a little bit exactly and and you're going to come back then when your foot's better in a much, well, in much better be- state you're going to be less you're, detrained exactly you're going to be much less detrained in on the on the whole um, yes you might not be as fit as you were before because you're not running or you're yeah. not doing things on that foot but you're still going to be in way better position so that's the, yeah again one of the big things I, advice I give is try and you know get in and do something you don't have to train that specific thing Rather than just going, oh, I'm injured and that's it, I'm out yeah. for the whole, yeah. you know. So, I think that's one one big thing, um, and I think, yeah, people, the injuries that I see a lot, a lot of it, unfortunately, is is also are not necessarily here, but um, a lot of the over the years, a lot of it is deconditioning. You could put it down to just deconditioning. People just don't do, st- you know, people are just oh, get injured through inactivity. Sed- yeah, just I, inactive, I presume sedentary. there's a a direct correlation between lower back pain and being overweight as well. Oh, huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think if you look at the interventions for knees and lower back, one of I think one of the biggest things you can do is lose weight. So okay. in terms so of the effects you can have, so you can have loads of physio, you can have okay. acupuncture, you can have sausage, you can have blah 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 blah. More so, that what will have a bigger impact than any of those things is to lose weight and be a be a decent weight for your for your size and when you see people over the years who've done that everyone says the same thing I lost weight and it feels so much better yeah. no one ever says I lost weight it felt worse. and it felt worse <laughs> or it, does, it didn't change it yeah. I've never had someone who said to me who's had like lower back or knee problems for example that who've been overweight obviously the caveat to that has been overweight but who've been overweight who've then lost the weight and, and gone yeah it didn't really make much difference everyone it makes a difference for everyone mm. it's huge because it's just less loading going through the joints, yeah. basically. And again, every single day that you sit up from a stand up from a chair, walk up the stairs, you know that's all loading, loading, loading. And if you're yeah. three, four, five kilos heavier than potentially you could or should be, yeah. that adds up over the course of a day. Yeah. Like you yeah. know, what it's like when you put a weight vest on and do an exercise with a weight vest on. How much harder everything is. Yeah. Imagine that just being just you. And oh. I think the other thing that's underestimated as well is that often weight loss comes with lifestyle changes so it's not just the losing weight it's the losing weight and they're, they're overweight because they've been eating crap food and not doing exercise mm. whereas to, to lose weight what they gem, what people generally will do is eat better yeah. and then do a bit of exercise so no wonder their joints feel better because yeah, they're moving they're their moving. joints more mm. and they're eating healthier food so they're actually replenishing their body with food yeah. that's going to then repair, make, repair good <laughs> for inflammation yeah. exactly so it's yeah. kind of that combination really that I think is why people get such good results with weight loss it's not just the the, the actual loss of weight which I think has a big impact yeah. but it's also all those other things as well which again I think people with injuries tend to overlook how important lifestyle factors are 
like for example, we, smokers will will heal slower. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things we'll ask about often yeah, it's, with it's weird is you say you that smoke. because um, when I went to the hospital to Lister, that's one of the, the first things the do- doctor said to me. Do you do you smoke? Yep. Mm. See no, and they said, oh, yeah, that will heal quicker. Yeah. Then is yeah. that because of you can get more oxygen in, so you can clear free radicals? Just multiple just things. Everything. Yeah, it's multiple things to do with with smoking basically. But yeah, a lot yeah. of it is that. Um, uh, but overall we just know that smoking has a detrimental effect on soft tissue health Um, we obviously Um, mentioned um, anti-inflammatory so is there anything like you could um, recommend supplements or you know you talk about omega free fish oils yeah so there is there is that so fish oils has been a classic one over the years that have been you know a proponent for anti-inflammatory effects I think um you know, often if you look at, there's a good article by John Berardi actually on training, uh, on nutrition for mm. when you're injured, and a lot of it actually is is similar to to when you're bodybuilding. So it's about adequate protein levels because your body's is yeah. is basically repairing. healing and therefore repairing. So protein obviously is a massive part of that. So getting your two grams um, of protein per kilo of body weight. Um, so you know, looking at it like that, and actually. And then again, eating lots of fruits, vegetables, things with phytonutrients in that are going to help your body to repair. So it's just all about getting hydration. Hydration, massive. Yeah. So it's it's kind of very similar to what you would do, because I suppose if you think about training, often it's breaking down the body, it's mm-hmm. breaking down the muscle to then mm-hmm. repair stronger. So you, it's an injury is in, in effect is kind of yeah. just a a hyper hyper version of that in a bad way because yeah. obviously it has other impacts, but you're still from a nutrition point of view looking to yeah create that anti-inflammatory effect by just eating good foods but i think fish oils is one that certainly you could try there's differing levels of evidence on that and some people will swear by it but some people will say actually the evidence isn't doesn't actually support that it's much better for you from an anti-inflammatory point of view but um but i would say that i would i think it's a good thing to do to supplement with that personally um, multivitamins as well if you're not getting as much of that from fresh foods and fruits and vegetables etc then most people can probably benefit from that sort of thing um, but again I think it's like with a lot of injuries it comes as a part as a package it's doing those things as a yeah. on top of the other things as well um, so it's managing volume um, it's doing your rehab it's all the nutritional side of things and they're the general things. So that you basically, what we're saying is the fact that our our key sort of like habits that we discuss at Jones is yeah, for for, just for weight that. loss is drink water, get six to eight hours sleep a night, yeah, train foods four times yeah, a week, so protein every yeah. meal, and fruits and vegetables. Yeah, we're saying for an injury is sleep six to eight hours. They let your body repair. Eat your protein to help the muscle mm. repair. Be yep. hydrated. Yep. Train three to four times a week. Do your rehab three to four times a week, depending on what it is, what the yep. prescription is from your physio. Yeah. And eat your fruits and veggies to that. So basically, the same. It's the same thing. The same general yeah. guidelines, yeah. definitely. Like the the guidelines would be not much different because ultimately, when you think about those guidelines, it's just how can you how can you live in a way that's kind of optimal for your health. You're just optimizing health, aren't yeah. you, with all yeah. those things? Pink, so yeah. th- there's no there's no. It's you know there's no difference with injury because it's mm. again it's just making your body feel optimal. That's kind of where you want to be. Um, and I think the other thing with injuries is that even if you are optimal, things happen, and that's just life. Yeah, like you, of course. You pick people, up you are going to pick up niggles. You're yeah. going to, you know, you, you you look at 
any professional sports team they have physios that are with them 24 hours a day and they still get injured they still pick up muscle injuries they still pick up Mm. you know injuries because they happen didn't um, one happen at the rugby at the weekend? One of the Welsh there's a few, Welsh winger. Yeah, there didn't was he, a few. Was it he just go for a run and his hamstring? Went yeah, George something. North. Oh, yeah. yeah, George yeah, he was North. Flashing it, wasn't he? And yeah. there's someone who is primed, will have done a proper warm up, yep. will have done yep. good nutrition, yep. good da da da, and that sort of stuff, yep. and still a freak thing like that. Yeah, and it and it happens, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I think you can you can give all this advice about um, what to do, and that all that advice is good. But sometimes injuries do happen, and you and it's just bad luck. Like I get the question I probably get most from people is, "Oh, why, you know, why have I got this injury?" And sometimes, you, sometimes it's really hard to actually mm. give an answer because they haven't done anything. Like I probably see sixty to seventy percent of people that come into me haven't had an acute trauma. They haven't twisted an ankle. They haven't done anything where they've gone, yeah. "Yep, something." Oh, I felt yeah. something go yeah. at that time. It's just like yeah shoulders just getting a bit sore and then I went was in the gym and I was doing something and it just felt a bit worse and I just thought oh that's really sore it wasn't like I was doing a shoulder Does that press come and back band. to lifestyle factors then so sitting down a lot or a lot yeah a lot of that stuff I think it's again it's a mix of things but sometimes you just don't know you're not sure mm. exactly why things happen mm. it's like have you ever seen frozen shoulder people with frozen mm. shoulders before? that way they can't lift up yeah so they've got no one really knows why they come on but they just do they, they just come on there's 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 populations of people so it's more common in women more common in people who've got diabetes um and so there's there's a few things which or a few population groups that it's more common in but no one really knows what why it comes on and also it just has a it has a progression of time and then it gets better so it's it always gets better but it can last up to 18 months in some people um but it it improves over that so you you have this stage of it freezes up so really painful struggling to move then it kind of is frozen so you basically have a situation where the arm is stuck so you can't lift over a certain point but it's not that painful anymore it's kind of reasonable unless you move it to a certain level and then it's a thawing stage so then it just gradually improves over time We don't no really knows. know exactly. It's, ba- it's basically called century, that's yeah. It's called adhesive know. capsulitis, which just adhesive being glue, <laughs> and, 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 and the, well. the capsule being the shoulder, and then itis, inflammation. But yeah. they they're not sure whether it is actually inflammatory in terms of its process. But basically, it's just the the shoulder gets really really tight, and you can you can have injections for that. So there's this thing where they inject um, and they they basically distend the capsule so they stretch essentially the capsule with this injection and then the movement can be a bit better so they actually there's a few injections that do work for that sort of thing but ultimately for a lot of people it's just a matter of time and they just have to wait and it's just one of those things so and again we don't really know what exactly why that's caused um and i think this is the other the other thing that is sort of really misunderstood about injuries i think is that you can have and there's some really good um, studies on this. So you can have, if you took, if we went into the gym now and we took everyone in the gym and we MRI'd their lower back, all of them, and none of them have had back pain. So let's just say we took only people who'd never had any back problems at all um, of different age groups. You would find pathology in a large percentage of those people, even though they've got no back pain whatsoever. Pathology being? Disc bulges. So what someone would class as a slip disc, you would find in lots of people who've got no pain or who've mm. never had pain at all. 
So what we're realizing, same thing with the shoulder. So with the shoulder, if you if you MRI professional baseball players, a very large percentage of those people, I think it's like 60%, I need to get the exact stat, but it's a lot, a lot of mm. them will have full thickness rotator cuff tears. So they have tears of the rotator cuff, no pain, and still throwing at wow. 100 miles an hour or 95 miles an Shout hour. Shout out Eric Cressy. Exactly. Top boy. So that comes from a lot of Eric Cressy stuff. Yeah. And what you realise is not that, not the tears, obviously. No, 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 no. It's not the tears. We're saying that for the research, yeah. yeah, the research and his his looking at these things comes. So then the question becomes, and you find this as well over the years when you do physio, it's like you'll get someone in who's got shoulder pain, and they'll ultrasound scan both their shoulders, and they'll have a bigger tear on the non-painful side than they've got on the painful side, and the question then becomes how much of pain is actually structural and how much is and how much of it is not necessarily in the mind in the sense that someone's making it up but oh, there's all these there's, there's there's just we don't fully understand pain in a, there's so it's very complex basically and that you can have an, an injury that you can have 10 people with the same injury they all get better different rates they mm. all have they all need slightly different things to make them better and it is complex and injuries are not as simple as um you know black and white. you've got this pain in the shoulder that means you must have this tear or you must mm. have this structural problem because we know that actually even when you um mri people for example after their injury gets better they often look no different on the scan so that you can see a tear you do injury rehab the the pain gets better you scan them again no different so then the question is what's actually causing that pain what is actually the thing that's causing it and then that's the complicated thing that everyone tries to answer and it's very difficult to are do. Are we even here? <laughs> <laughs> this just got yeah. deep all of a sudden. Really but uh, it's such a it's, it's fascinating though with injuries because uh, yeah. again I think the one of the biggest misconceptions is are oh, I'll just I just need a scan to find out what's wrong because when I find out what's wrong I can fix it. It's this whole fix we have this fixing mentality I think in the Western world of I need I need someone to fix my issue and it's not always as simple as that obviously I'll give advice but a lot of what I'm doing is trying to almost facilitate the body's natural healing process so there's not many things that I would say that I do that actually physically changes the problem it kind of what I'm trying to do is optimize what that body's doing naturally to then reduce pain so it might be a lot of the manual text techniques that we do so massage, manual therapy, all those sorts of things are influencing the nervous system to reduce pain in that area so that the person moves it better. And when they move it better and it's not as painful, the brain gets these positive signals and then it releases certain things and it makes it move better, blah, 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 blah. So it's not that I'm fixing a problem, it's that I'm making that area kind of less painful and then giving the body mm. the things it needs to do to hopefully recover quicker, basically. Um, and I think that and that's where people want to be fixed so they they go for a scan and for example one of the things we know with the lower back going back to the lower back is that if you have lower back pain and there's been studies which show that people who don't have a scan have a higher a better prognosis than people that have scans and the reason they said for that was that prognostically if you have a scan and someone so a doctor reports it and they say to you oh you've got a disc bulge you've got you know mm. and pe I have people that come to me and they say oh my doctor's told me I've got crumbling discs I've got and it's all this negative language yeah, and they talk about is. this language around pain and mm. when you, especially when you get onto chronic pain and people that have had injuries or lower back pain for a long for like years 
there's there's lots of research now around around pain science and around um, the language you, we use to describe things and that if you feel like your back if someone's told you your back is crumbling inside how are you going to feel about movement how are you going to feel about any time you get a mm. bit of a niggle what are you going to think and what are you going to think about that you're, you're going to 0 to 100 you're going to exactly you're, you're immediately your nervous system is sensitised yeah. and immediately you're going to be thinking oh there's something wrong there's something mm. drastically wrong here <laughs> when actually it's about you know moving and, and actually getting back to that movement and not avoiding things and you know the amount of people that say oh, I can't bend it's bad for my back well no our human bodies are designed to bend you should be able to bend mm. you might not be able to bend in an acute phase of back pain fine or and I limit people's bending when they're maybe first injured but I would never say to someone you shouldn't be bending you shouldn't bend because that language can really yeah. affect someone mm. if someone Forever. never be- if someone never bends what happens when they suddenly have to bend yeah, because right. they're yeah. you know their child's yeah. on the floor crying yeah, or they're yeah, you know whatever suddenly that's going to kick off often it's going to kick off that acute response which is why I'm such a big proponent of training and strength training in the gym because if you can train your body to be strong and mobile in all these different directions mm. when you do that in in life then your body can cope with it because it's got that uh, the ability to do that and you're not fearful of doing that movement because you you know if you can you know, bend and lift up 100 kilos from the floor, then picking up a eight kilo child is going to be no problem. I guess problem. that's where the term functional movement came totally. from though, right? So yeah. functional training and yeah. you said before, haven't we, it's the human body, we push, pull, bend, rotate, squat and we lunge. So if you can mimic those movements in the gym, um, yeah. you're pretty much hitting every single muscle and making sure you're, you're fit for life. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think that that is, you know, the way that a lot of people should do it and uh, I think the thing about functional training just on that point is everything's that everything's functional yeah like physio a lot of physios went, really went down the rabbit hole of functional training and that everything should be functional and I think the other thing to understand is that rehab doesn't need to always be functional to be effective so mm. for example one of the best things for going back to George North and the hamstring injury one of the best things you can do for hamstrings is make them very strong in an, what's called an eccentric way. Mm-hmm. So Nordic hamstring curls are the big ones that people will do for hamstring in terms of football. Yeah. And when when people implement those Nordics, which are they're not they're not a functional exercise; no, they're a very exactly. gym based exercise. Um, but injury risks went injury rates went down massively, and it was all uh, the research was all done in Denmark um, or Scandinavia. I don't know if it's Denmark or Norway, but it was one of the two um, with sort of high level footballers so they were like division one two they weren't premier league footballers standards but they were high level mm. footballers and they implemented these nordic uh, hamstring curls into their um into their rehab into their kind of training programs and it massively reduced the hamstring injury rate so that's not a functional exercise but it made the hamstring really strong and that in turn reduced a lot of the hamstring injuries that people were getting or um made people that had hamstring injuries be better a- yeah. able to play again and able to take part so I think that it's one of those where yes functional training is great and I, I'm a big proponent of it but I think that sometimes with rehab you, you don't you don't need to have that to actually improve and get better as, at the same time no again if you can get a, a hamstring that's strong in the lengthening phase when you then run if it's strong in the lengthening phase in isolation in the gym well, we just plug that into running and it's going to be yep. strong in that position same with like again, quad strength anything like that it's just an argument to do a bit of everything <laughs> yes at yeah. time yeah yeah, it's that mix. Yeah, well, on that hamstring thing, didn't they say, because they looked at Michael Owen, obviously he's someone that's constantly had hamstring tears and tears and tears, and 
they did they looked into his like rehab program and so much of it was based on just doing hamstring curls mm-hmm. and you don't need to be that strong when running to like to be able to the 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 moment of literally lifting your leg or your heel up it doesn't really happen in running that much you just need to be able to lift the weight of your lower leg up but actually he wasn't strong eccentric and that's why every time he ran and it was put under that stretch and load bang we're back to phase one and he just more hamstring girls more hamstring girls came back to pitch bang and you know is that's the argument for it needs to be specific to the movements that you're going to be doing definitely across the board and yeah. do it with good form as well because there's no point in and I think the other thing to say and I know a few people who've worked in um, Premier League football as strength and conditioning coaches and they said that unfortunately you have some people that are really good with their rehab and do what they're told and then you have other people that basically do what they want because they're top level players they can kind of dictate their own terms mm-hmm. with that sort of thing so then it's not like you know as much as you'd like to believe these are really professional outfits which they are in some regards Basically, if you're a top-level footballer, you can. If you don't want to go to the gym and do stuff, then you don't. You don't. Yeah. And so, like, there's going to be people who it's are crazy, who man. rehab and their strength and conditioning is not going to be that great, purely because they can't be asked. They don't want to do it. Surely, my, some clubs make them sign contracts to say that they have to do it. Well, my lecturer, uh, you know, my biomechanics lecturer, he he did lots of work with some uh, pr- Premier League football sides. And um, he was em- he was employed to go in, do all their testing, and then prescribe to people what they needed to do to prevent injuries. And that was coming from the top, the hierarchy. And the coach looked at it and went, "Nah," and chucked it out. I was like, "I ain't doing that. That's like, it's a waste of time for my guys." So he's paid all this money to go in and do all this te- fitness screening, testing, Man, injury prevention work. And the coach just was like, "Nah." It's going to make him slow and bulky. Don't want to do it. And that's, that's the thing. You get, you get I, all I, these I had that. The coaching staff as well and the, all these different yeah. dynamics of a team and that, that actually, yeah, people, yeah. I went up similar. to um, Lillyshaw and I did this thing with the England, they were like under 18s learning difficulty squad and they were, some of them were obviously pro clubs and stuff and they were amazing and I did some stuff with like the strength and conditioning and I can't remember the guy's name. He was an Aston Villa legend. Won the cup with him as captain. So anyway, and he, um, he was, he, he pretty much said, "Oh, it's all, all rubbish. Strength and conditioning. No, it's no point. They, all they need is a football. All they need is football. And obviously, they do need to yeah. practice the skills. And but he completely dismissed it all. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, though, especially these days when you look at someone like um, Ronaldo, who's obviously been. Yeah. He's he's kind of the poster child now, isn't he, for working hard in the gym, yeah. getting strong, yeah. um, and also just how how few." Um, you know how few injuries he's had over the years obviously he's had some but like comparatively for amount of games he's played yeah. he's had relatively few because he's worked so hard in the gym well. was it you that told me that you knew his physio or you knew no no was, uh, someone was telling me that they they knew the physio at united when he was there and when he got injured he was always the most you know in the gym doing all the the, the, the proper routines and he was completely on it yeah and it, i mean it goes back and again, this this relates the injury stuff relates to the to the weight loss stuff, and it relates to the strengthening stuff. We talked about it already on this podcast numerous times of consistency. And if you're consistently doing what you should be doing, mm-hmm. you're probably going to make progress. Like the amount of times I have people who come in, uh, again, not necessarily here, but especially when I worked in the NHS, and you'd give them stuff to do, and they wouldn't do it, and yeah. then they come back and say, what "Oh, I'm still in pain." And, and then you're just like, "Well, if you're not doing what I'm going to tell you to, what I'm telling you to do." then you're not going to improve. So it's just like, if you're going to lose weight, 
but you're not going to change anything about your lifestyle you're not going to lose weight mm. so if you actually want that that goal if you want that you know to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve yeah, then, it, then it's the most important trait that someone can have for success isn't it just consistency act, taking just action keep, doing yeah. it doing what you you know yeah. it is that isn't it like exactly what you just said there it's he he was given the rehab and he actually did it yeah and he was consistently doing it and then you look at like any successful people like you hear stories about david beckham on the training ground for hours after practicing training free practicing kicks. free kicks yeah. over and over and over and over and he was, and he was yes, amazing was. at it so you know it yeah, kind exactly, of yeah. it's like oh, it's so good that grease yeah. that grease goal was just a joke wasn't yeah. it yeah I mean the pressure on that. Just imagine the feeling. The keeper of doing wasn't that. great. No, mate, still got a bang uh, it yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Who cares? If we weren't top yeah. call. It still went in the back of there, yeah. and the whole country went mad. <laughs> oh god, it was incredible. But yeah, I think you know the consistency of doing what you need to do is is half the battle for mm. a lot of the you know a lot of these sorts of things, um, injuries included. It's just one of those things that you you know you get given rehab, you need to do it. Um, one one thing you spoke about at the beginning was obviously a good good warm up and um, what was the term you used? Next specific when the, the training the execution of it. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah actual like, yeah, yeah. So uh, what about afterwards after the the training session and the oh yeah, how many times you see people smash a session and they're literally like glug some water, see like off I go straight out the door. Yeah, Is that it's, good, it's, an bad? Inter- it's an interesting one we call down because I think. Um, that it depends what you've done at the start of the session. So I think a cool down can be useful and effective for reducing DOMS potentially sometimes. Um, but I think most people who go to the gym, if you do a really adequate warm up that contains range of movement style training, then the only thing I would say you, that is useful in a cool down potentially is just doing some static stretching on areas where you struggle. So being more, again, more specific about it. Because the other thing is, people will say, "Well, I've got this warm up, it's ten minutes, and I've got to do training, then yeah. I've got to cool down." It's I can't, I can't come into the gym for you know, I want to, I want to spend forty five minutes training. I can't come into the gym for two hours every day. I've got yeah. work, I've got life, I've got whatever else. So I think that for me, the cool down is less important than the warm up. Is what I would say about that. Um, I think if you're um, if you're doing a, a sport, then I think a cool down can be can be quite good. So if you're doing like a team sport, football, hockey, whatever, just literally to just do a little bit of stretching after can be useful. But I don't personally from a from an injury pre- prevention point of view, there isn't really much research around it. But funnily enough, even stretching, there's not much research. Uh, research. So there's not stretching alone doesn't prevent injuries which most people I would say stretch because they think it's going to make them not get injured um, so I don't really pro- I'm not a proponent of stretching because it's going to prevent an injury mostly I pro- promote stretching to improve execution and to improve form so if I, w- I want someone to have good hamstring flexibility so that when they do a Romanian deadlift or a deadlift yeah. they can do it well get the most out of that and then for me also again there isn't research to back this up but anecdotally what i would say is that if they've got better hamstring flexibility when they bend over to pick stuff off the floor they're then evening out their load between their hamstrings glutes and their and their back rather than just doing everything with their yeah. lower back because their hamstrings are so tight that they can't get down there 
And so, also, if you're in like if you're doing proper ex like proper form for exercises, then that surely that is loaded stretching anyway. Because totally. if you're taking the muscle through its complete active range, is which we would always do in a training program, then you're taking it to where it can go and not beyond. Then yeah. surely that is that stretching under load, which is going to be beneficial for joint health anyway. Totally. So they've done studies with a Romanian deadlift versus static hamstring stretching and had more length length improvements with the Romanian deadlifts after a 12 week program than the static stretching that's yeah. and is that that's just through going through an active going range an and active range. showing your body that you can control is it true that if you so say with a Romanian deadlift say I go down to the very bottom I can feel it all in my hamstrings it's their maximum length is there a thing that it would say I've shown my body that I can control that range, so it's going to give me a little bit more. And yeah. then, is it like our muscles like telescopes? So, in the sense that, like, it's the body saying, Well, I'll let you open halfway up because that's what you've shown me you can control. So, I won't let you have any more of that for fear of injury. Mm-hmm. If you show me that you can control that range, I'll open it up a little bit more and a little bit yeah. more. And so, a little bit say, more. yes, I'd say yes in the way that you're asking it, but I think it's, it's, it's not. It's basically that you're gaining strength within specific ranges, so then right. your b- ability for your body to go there is improved. improved. So yeah, you're right. absolutely right. So it's like if you, um, for example, if you had someone that was um, so lying flat on the front and doing like a arm raise, so like yeah. a, a scapular Y, yeah. for example, you will often have scenarios where you could lift their arm higher than they can they lift can it themselves. It. Yeah. So for me, it's just they haven't got that strength in that uh, outer range to actually achieve that. But what you could do, for example, is lift it up and then they get them to lower it down. Yeah. So like little eccentrics. Mm. So you're giving them the strength in that range and then eventually they will be able to do that themselves. So, so it's, it's having the strength within that range to achieve that. So yeah. You're, so you're, that's you're where right. like, for example, like a bench press. Yep. For, like you see guys well, and ladies, but generally guys come all the way down to their chest because mm-hmm. the bar can take them there. But actually, they can't support that joint to bring the bar all the way down to their chest because that's when things like then shoulder pain comes in and things like that. But that's mm-hmm. just exactly kind of what you're saying, isn't it? It's like just because someone else can take me there doesn't mean I have the right to go there. Yeah, and in I terms think of a movement. yeah, in terms of yeah, I know what you mean. I think um, with in terms of pain from a bench press, that's often from other stuff. So, for example, stability around your rotator cuff and kind of working the bigger muscles I think that's the other thing about injuries is that people um, you know working your bigger muscles is great but you want to work those stabilizing mm-hmm. muscles as well because they're going to there's you can pick up imbalances yeah. where yeah where you're kind of over dominant in certain muscles um, underdeveloped in other muscles but again it goes back to that whole muscle balance thing um, so yeah I mean I think I don't know how long have we been going now podcast wise Oh, it's 20 past one. Oh, yeah. So I think probably in terms of maybe wrapping up for today. Yeah. 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 So um, if anyone want, if anyone is injured and wants any advice so yeah. um, or wants to see you. Yeah, any any advice a, about injuries, obviously you can email me directly. So chris at jonesfitness.co.uk. Um, the, you can go onto the Jones website and then there's a physiotherapy section where you can go on and you can book directly through there. Um, but as I say more than happy if you just contact me directly and if you've got any questions about things then you can always contact me on that email as well it's not a problem I've got mm. a question mm-hmm. Nick a minute ago you said guys and ladies is it not okay just to say guys meaning men and women yeah I think so 
I know where oh, you did yeah. it. I know where yeah, you did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always refer to guys in any situation yeah, I've, yeah. Yeah, as a collective. But yeah, yeah. I agree. Know, Donna, like, good. Yeah, yeah. So going forward, if we say guys, it's, it's everyone. It's everyone. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm down with that. Great. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. So just I think as a as a parting, um, you know, about injuries, I think it would be, you know, look at look at your overall lifestyle and health yeah. factors first. Um, get those right. Um, you know, make sure that you are warming up adequately make sure your form and your execution as nick said is is on point because that's going to have a big impact look at your make sure your program is balanced so have a balanced program um and if you if you are struggling then get some advice from and the don't, team don't get, get down about us. it as well yeah. it, it is it's what it you, is at the end yeah, of the day you can so you'll get you know you can still do stuff, in, yeah. in majority of the time you know i don't i don't know many people who've never had who've never had an injury or pain of some sort. Every, it happens, it's a human experience that happens to absolutely everyone. I would everyone. think that all three of us sitting here have probably got niggles of some sorts and- 100%. Uh, yes. I've got a metal pin in my head. <laughs> yeah, I've had five yeah. operations on my left knee, yeah. two on my right left arm, one on my right arm, so- And we're still training, we're yeah, still doing Yeah, exactly. Training. So, you know, I, over that time I've had to modify things, but now it's absolutely fine and I think, you, you yeah you can get over injuries and you can improve you just have to do the right things be consistent with and it you, and you get there. and you can become a better athlete afterwards 100%. as well so. i think a lot of people again this will be the last thing i'll say but a lot of people <laughs> um actually when they get injured have to face up to certain imbalances that they've got which makes them better afterwards right. so you know it might be that they they had some glute weakness or some weakness around the hips or whatever it might be and that actually when they've they then get back from that injury they're either stronger they're faster yeah. they're better because they've had to work on those things and we, we always hear that analogy of um, you're only as strong as your weakest link and so it's almost like they've had to they've head on had to face that weakest yeah. link and then suddenly they're actually better off afterwards yeah. they actually just as one before they said that in the nfl on um, sunday the <coughs> london game there was a guy that came back from an injury and he was a very good player beforehand but he's come back and all of his he's two miles an hour faster since coming back from injury and he's a better player he scored more touchdown he scored more like running rushing yards all that sort of stuff passes and things like that and you think that's exactly it, isn't it you yeah. you address the things that have hamstrung you before yeah. and, and I, I think sometimes people <laughs> relevant I think sometimes as well people um, mentally you have that thing of that you feel the privilege of training as well like because yeah, when you're yeah. injured you haven't got the ability to train and you you know your mental health maybe can be affected as well all these other things can be affected and suddenly you realise I really shouldn't take the fact that I can train to be for granted. I'm so thankful know. that I can train every day. Exactly, and there's, hip. you know, I think people should should really think about that as well in terms of coming to the gym and coming, you know, you've well, got these bodies. Your, your body is the best instrument you'll ever own or Absolutely. the best tool you'll ever yeah. own, so. I'd write training in my gratitude journal from last week. Ah, oh, yeah, very good. good. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think on that note, Chris, thank good, you so good much. That's no, yeah, really good insight to, yeah, to what you do. Yeah, no, it's cool. And then, yeah. Hopefully you can have a good chat next week. I don't know what we're going to do next week, but we'll we'll see how we yeah, go. Guys, if you want if you want any topics, yeah, literally, don't be afraid to drop one of us an email or anything else like that, and we can discuss anything that you'd be interested in. Yeah, hearing us ramble on about, on about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a rambling yeah. one today. Yeah. But anyway, cool. Sure, right, yeah. we'll see you next see week, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> bye bye.